I want to welcome you to our Bible study this evening and again encourage you to take your copy of God's Word and join me in 2 Corinthians. And I'll be all over 2 Corinthians tonight as I introduce a study for this book of the Bible, which is a letter from the Apostle Paul to the believers that were there at Corinth. I think it helps us just to remember that this is a letter from the Apostle Paul to a local church, which immediately makes it applicable for us to study out. The Apostle Paul cared deeply for these people. He is writing to them out of the depths of his heart with a personal awareness of their situation and a personal desire for them to honor God. We're a church with people in it, and we desire to honor God, and I have no doubt the advice, based on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that Paul shares is going to be nothing but helpful for us. Paul had a special relationship with the Corinthians. He wrote them two lengthy letters. In fact, he spent a year and a half in Corinth establishing the church. He made a second visit to them, and he considered that second visit to them a visit carried out in heaviness. It was a heavy visit. He had to deal with some disciplinary issues. He, he might even call them an emergency issue. He then, according to uh, 2 Corinthians 13.1, will come to Corinth for a third time. And he will this time stay there for three months before taking his leave. He says in chapter 13 and verse 1, This is the third time I am coming to you. A year and a half establishing the church. Three visits overall. One that he would say was done in heaviness. I, I start there so that you can grasp just how invested the Apostle Paul was in the Corinthians. Now, he wrote this letter from Macedonia after his second visit to Corinth. He was preparing the church for his third visit, which would be his final visit. This church at Corinth, I believe, proves to be the most demanding church that the Apostle Paul was a part of establishing. They had problems among themselves they had problems in their relationship to the Apostle Paul and his authority, so much so that he writes to them two really lengthy letters as far as epistles go. I think if we were to try to settle on a main theme, it would be suffering, and certainly the Apostle Paul will go through that, suffering and the power of the Holy Spirit in Paul's life. Suffering and the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, Paul had opponents there who had moved in and begun to take away the hearts of the people. They were going to question his motives. At times, they would even question his courage. They would argue that he suffered so much that there was no way his ministry was a God-honored ministry, a God-blessed ministry. Nobody does God's work and suffers like that, and yet he will respond and say to them, in effect, I believe that suffering in this way means that God can reveal his glory through me. And I derive that 
theme from chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, which you're familiar with. And he said unto me, my grace, this is God speaking to him in response to his desire to be rid of the thorn in the flesh. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Right there in that first verse, God said, My strength is made perfect in weakness. Strength in weakness is the title of this study of 2 Corinthians. Suffering and the power of the Holy Spirit. When I am weak, then I am strong. It's also, practically speaking, a missionary manual. It's a missionary manual written by a real missionary who went and did a work of God. For us to really dive into this study, I think it helps us to take time to set the scene as we are tonight. I think it helps us to understand the city of Corinth, grasp the context of the moment as we grasp the context within Scripture. History would tell us when the Apostle Paul visited Corinth, it had a population of around 80,000. It was a relatively new city. It had already gained some prominence, as history again will tell us. It was pretty much the third most important city in the Roman Empire behind Alexandria and, of course, Rome itself. Where Corinth is situated, it was called the Master of Harbors, the Crossroads of Greece, a passage for all mankind, indicating that it was a transient population. A lot of influx of new people at all times. It was probably even the envy of some lesser cities. And based on all of those nicknames, we grasp that its population was largely immigrant. I was reading as I studied, and one said it was even opportunistic, the population there. People coming to Corinth seeking a better life. It became the answer to Rome's overpopulation. People were trying to get out of Rome and they would land in Corinth, especially freedmen. What are freedmen? They are those who had formerly been slaves in the Roman Empire, but now were free. That was actually what made up Corinth's largest segment of the population. We're also told historically that Corinth became a favorite place for ex-Roman soldiers to go seeking a better life for their families. That indicates to us that there was a lot of ethnic diversity in this place. It also communicates to us that wealth would then become the sole factor for gaining respect in this up-and-coming place. One commented in this way, Corinth was a freewheeling boomtown filled with materialism, pride, and the self-confidence that comes with having made it in a new place and with a new social identity. The pull-yourself-up-by-your-own-bootstraps mentality is what would become the characteristic of the city of Corinth. And that's so much like not just where we are in the Western world, but I think even right here in Charlotte. Corinth has some other modern-day issues at hand. It was a sports and entertainment culture. The Isthmian Games were there in Corinth, second only to the Olympic Games. 
The reality is it had a city theater that held up to 18,000 people and a concert hall that held some 3,000 people. I'm just trying to, to help us understand that Corinth is not some city locked away in antiquity. It was very much like the city in which we live. It helps us as we read this to understand the context of the culture and it helps us to understand the context of the church that was at Corinth. Now Paul's relationship with the church at Corinth became pretty stormy. Now it began very well, Paul with the help of Aquila and Priscilla and Timothy and Silas establishes the church there, the historical accounting of that in the Bible is found in Acts chapter 18. Now let's just revisit that for a moment so we can see the genesis of this church that is going to receive this second letter, Acts 18 and verse 1. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontius, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From henceforth I will go unto the Gentiles. This is a pivot in his ministry. Now, he's about to invade, as it were, the city of Corinth with the gospel. And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshipped God, whose house joined hard, right next to the synagogue. And Crispus... The chief ruler of the synagogue believed on the Lord with all his house, and get this, many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed, and were baptized. Then spake the Lord to Paul in a night by a vision. And here's what God had to say concerning the gospel ministry going on in Corinth. Be not afraid, but speak. Hold not thy peace, for I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. Here it is, for I have much people in this city. And Paul continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. That's it. That is the genesis. That's the launch of the church at Corinth that will receive this letter. Paul fearlessly stood when rejected by the Jews in the synagogue, pivoted to the Gentiles. Right there, he began to stand and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ where it had not been heard. That was his passion, to take the gospel of Jesus Christ where it had not been preached. That, by the way, should be your passion and my passion. Every day, that should drive, be a motivating factor for why we exist as a church in this place. Now, when Paul left Corinth after that 18 months, he traveled to Ephesus and from there to Jerusalem and then back to Ephesus. And that's where he wrote the first letter to the church at Corinth. And we studied that one out. At the time writing that epistle, he planned to visit Corinth again to gather up a collection for the poor that were in Jerusalem underneath of persecution. And in the interim, he sent Timothy 
to the believers at Corinth, and what Timothy encountered when he got there was really a growing apostasy. He encountered a troubled church, probably Paul's enemies and those in the synagogue working against him. So Paul then decides to pay the Corinthians a visit. He wants to tend to some of these matters. It is this visit that he will say was painful. It was done in heaviness. He will say it was basically seismic misery. In 2 Corinthians 2.1, he said, But I determined this with myself, that I would not come again to you in heaviness. Indicating that's how he was on that. That was the, the heart set he had when he was there. He was broken. He was there with them in heaviness. His, his apostleship had been called into question. His authority called into question. In essence, they were beginning to ask, if your ministry is for real, why do you suffer so much? They were asking, why is your ministry so seemingly lackluster and you move around? Your preaching may be so dull. Why do you change your travel plans if God's actually directing your life? I mean, they were going at him. This was a personal attack. He's visiting them in heaviness. Seismic misery is a way to extrapolate maybe our understanding of that out. Now, Tragically, this kind of attack on the Apostle Paul had led many in the Corinthian church to pursue, as he would call it, another gospel in chapter 11 and verse 4. So Paul leaves wounded. Paul leaves a little bit devastated. As I referenced in his own words, I was there in heaviness. So now back in Ephesus, he sends Titus to Corinth, and Titus arrives with this new letter, and this letter is one of great emotion. Now, I, I don't mean to be boring or overly instructive. I just think truly, if we're going to grasp what is in this, we have to understand the context of the culture. We have to understand the context of the church. We have to even grasp the passion, the emotion, the mindset in the Apostle Paul so that we can comprehend phraseology and really our principles and what we understand and grasp from this for all of the chapters that are to come. So as Titus arrives with this letter, it's, it's heartfelt. I can say that because in 2 Corinthians 2, 4, here's what he says, For out of much affliction... And anguish of heart, I wrote unto you with many tears, not that ye should be grieved, but that ye might know the love which I have more abundantly unto you. He's letting them know, I'm pained. I love you. I care about you. It pains me. I don't want you, as he says, to be grieved. I want you to sense that I love you. Unabashedly, he calls for repentance. Thanks to God, they repent. We pick up on that in 2 Corinthians 7, 8 through 9. For though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent. Though I did repent, for I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Now I rejoice, not that ye were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed to repentance, for ye were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us, in nothing. The majority come back to Paul. 
And, and it is now those who have still rejected his authority that he will write this second letter to them. I'm stunned by how great it is that we can literally pick up this letter and we can read it. We can study it. We can hear what the apostles said to the believers of Corinth, what the Holy Spirit wanted them to hear and what he wants us to hear. I think it's not too far a stretch to say this is perhaps the most emotional letter the Apostle Paul wrote. Much affliction, much anguish of heart, in tears, has a fierce tone to it of his relentless affection. In fact, towards the end of this letter, in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight, he said, Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches, who is weak and I am not weak, who is offended, and I burn not. This is where he talks about the care of the churches being upon him. He felt for them. This was something that he wanted to aid them in fixing. This book conveys the nature of authentic gospel ministry. Listen, when people come together... People accept Christ, people are saved, people are baptized, people come together to study the Word. We'd like to think that a utopian environment would now take root. But this is really a depiction of authentic ministry. People who really care about the gospel, people who really care about caring for souls, will find this letter captivating. You say, well, I don't know that that describes me. Well, the fact is, for those that don't care, this is about where your heart should be. This is about what you ought to be about. This is the Apostle Paul saying, man, this is what real life looks like in a church. People wander, people stray, people fall flat on their face. Authentic gospel ministry. Now, what I think is a wonderful aspect to this study is some real practical application for us right here where we are in this day, in this moment of time. Several principles that we can apply as the apostle shows us what it was like to live for Christ and minister in Corinth. Here's something we can derive from that. There's never been an easy place. Never been an easy place to live for Christ. Not in Corinth, not here and now. One author said, if you climb into the sandals of the apostle Paul, you'll most likely never complain again about how tough it is to live for Jesus Christ in your city. You might say, he said, but you don't know the temptation. You don't know my pressures. You don't know my peers. You don't know my professors, my family. No, my friend, he concluded, you don't know Corinth. That place was called Sin City. That was not an easy place to go and minister. Settle it in your heart. There will never be an easy place and there will never be an easy time to live for Christ. If you're actually going to do authentic gospel ministry, if you're actually going to reach people, it won't be easy. Second principle we can derive from that is, obviously, if the Apostle Paul was challenged like this, none of us are immune. None of us are above being challenged dealing with hardship. Paul faced spiritual hardship. There was moral darkness. Corinth was an immoral place. Every vice was existent in the city of Corinth, largely carried on out in the open. Homosexuality was rampant. Divorce 
was epidemic. One author said simply this, Paul would confront all of that with the gospel of Christ, which, by the way, is still the answer. No one is immune from hardship. No one has a utopian environment in which to take. It's always going to be stand tall, be bold, preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We understand just from our initial reading there of Acts chapter 18, he arrives with some financial difficulty. He has to abide with Aquila and Priscilla and go back to tent making to obviously make ends meet. That's a challenge. It just would seem like the Apostle Paul of all people would have it easy. He would have, he would have a real easy on-ramp to successful ministry. But clearly, he's crying in anguish of heart. He dealt with emotional discouragement, physical discouragement. Arrives with no place to stay, very little money, doesn't know anybody, appears in the synagogue and begins to speak, rejected by them, finds himself now in an ungodly city to do a great gospel work. And it was hard. People that he reaches are going to spiritually struggle. People that he ministers to are going to doubt him. No one is immune to hardship. No one is immune to challenges. There's no easy place. There's no easy era in which to live for Christ and actually do authentic gospel ministry. No one is immune to hardship. No one is immune to suffering. No one is immune to challenges, even the Apostle Paul. A third principle I note is there will never be a great opportunity without some opposition. There will never be a great work for God where it will not require some grit and some don't quit to see it to the finish line. And maybe we don't see it to the finish line. Maybe it's going on after we're gone. But the fact is, to do a great work for God, you will encounter opposition. People will say things. People will lie. Things won't come easy. The fact is, it requires, by the aid of the Holy Spirit, real grit and don't quit. We have too many people that quit. Too many people that it's just too hard to serve. It's too hard to be involved. It's just too hard. Some grit and don't quit. That's what it took for the Apostle Paul. Another principle is this, and I think this is so blatantly obvious. Ministry at Corinth, you never run out of people to reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Never. Charlotte, North Carolina, 2024, you never run out of people to reach with the gospel. Never. There's somebody right now that you know that needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you have some grit and don't quit and you're willing to endure some hardship and stand strong, if you're willing to endure and boldly proclaim the gospel even when it's not easy, you will never run out of somebody who needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the heartbeat of the church. That's the great commission of the church. I'll conclude by reading what one commentator said. Here at Corinth, in the filth capital of the world, were many hungry hearts. There were lonely people, disillusioned by pleasure and worldliness, people who had drunk from Satan's broken cisterns and poisoned wells, desperate people, people who were not only lost, but knew they were lost. There were sailors tired of lives of drunkenness and debauchery, 
There were the broken women, the cast-offs of the temple, where sin was their daily bread. There were successful businessmen whose money could buy them everything but happiness. There were housewives struggling for a decent home life in a city as foul as Sodom. There were young people whose ideals had been blighted by the diseased state of the society in which they lived. Some were tired of Tinseltown. The fleshly pleasures had lost their attraction. Some were suffering deep guilt and an awful emptiness of soul. They were ready to receive Christ. In the vision, God says to him, Paul, be bold. I have much people in this city for you to reach. You will never run out of people to reach for the gospel. Affluent or poor, educated or uneducated, no matter where they are on the spectrum of life, no matter their ethnicity, no matter how long they've been here in this area or how long they will be in the area, you will never run out of people to reach for Christ. I will tell you right now, there are hurting people all around you and all around me. And this letter is a, a representation of real missionary work, authentic gospel ministry, what it's like to deal with people. And man, we're going to be helped with this. I, I, I don't normally lay groundwork like that for a study, but I think with this letter it's important. Because it's easy for us to think, well, we did 1 Corinthians, what's left? 2 Corinthians, it's an excellent book. And grasping the context just a little bit, sensing the heart behind it, is going to help us greatly. Let me just challenge you. Reach somebody for Jesus Christ this week. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. I pray that you'd help us as we engage in this study moving forward to have a real understanding. Help us, Lord. Help us to grow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening this week to the Graceway Baptist Church podcast. For more information about our church and our ministries, head on over to our website at gracewaycharlotte.org. We are a church located in South Charlotte. We are growing and our ministries are doing big things for Christ. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at info at gracewaycharlotte.org. Also, stay in the loop with everything happening by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle is Graceway Charlotte. Thanks again for listening to the Graceway Charlotte podcast. We'll see you next week.